0: Welcome to 7-Minute Torah, an exploration of the weekly Torah portion with me, Rabbi Micah Streifer. If you enjoy this podcast, please feel free to subscribe or comment or share it with a friend. Every year when this week's Parsha comes up, I flip through my Chumash, my Torah commentary, and I ask myself, Why? Why does this need to be here? How will I find a way to relate yet again to the Torah's in-depth discussion of disease and contagion and communicability. This year, for obvious reasons, I'm having less of a hard time relating to that. We're reading this week from a double portion called tazria Mitzorah. Tazria and Mitsorah together deal with, among other things, the management of a skin disease that was known in ancient times as Tzaraat, This is sometimes translated as leprosy, although it's not clear that it refers to the disease that we know today as leprosy. Because tzara'ad can occur either on a person's skin, or on their clothing, or on their house. So this really seems to be a series of possibly unrelated ailments that were a thorn in the side of ancient people. We can imagine that in a world before penicillin and before antibiotics, things like this could be very dangerous. So the Torah spends a fair amount of time dealing with things like, how do you diagnose it? What do you do if it's been diagnosed? What if you're not sure whether it is, in fact, this disease? And for good measure, it throws in some things about other various kinds of discharges, like menstruation, and seminal emissions, and even the impurity that comes after childbirth. So, as I sometimes say, this is the Torah's yuckiest portion. We're dealing here with the things that happen to our bodies that are not always within our control or our understanding, and certainly within the understanding of ancient people. And most especially, the Torah is dealing here with matters of contagion and impurity and how to stop them from spreading. Now, impurity, as the Torah describes it, is not the same thing as contagion, although they are often related to each other. But impurity is not only something you get from a disease that can be passed on to someone else. You could also become impure from giving birth to a child or from menstruating or from having a seminal omission or even from having sex. And those, of course, are not things you can pass on like a contagious disease. So we have to keep in mind here that the Torah is not only dealing with matters of disease. It actually puts those matters into a larger category of things that make you tameh. Tame means impure. And to be impure wasn't necessarily to be dirty or unclean. It had to do instead with your fitness to enter the temple, to enter holy spaces, and even communal spaces. If you were impure, if you were tamé, you would have to move through whatever scenario had caused you to be tamé, whether it be sickness or childbirth or menstruation or a seminal emission or having come into contact with a dead body. And then you would have to be purified before you could re-enter the camp, and be in the presence of the community, let alone God. So we have to ask ourselves a hard question. Why would giving birth, or menstruating, or having sexual relations make you somehow unfit to enter holy spaces? We might think that having a baby is one of the most holy acts there is, that that person is particularly holy, rather than being impure. We would want to surround them with people, rather than isolating them. A lot of scholars, though, think that this stuff about impurity is related not so much to contagion, although it becomes about that, but rather to some sort of contact with matters of life and death. If you think about it, the scenarios that might make you tame, sickness, touching a dead body, menstruation, sexual matters, these are the moments in our lives when we come into contact with the life force, with the force in the universe that gives and takes away life. And these are things that are largely beyond our control. No matter how much control we humans think that we have over the world and what happens in it, we can't control when we get sick. We can't control whether we can get pregnant. We can't control when somebody dies or when someone is born. These are things that are outside of our realm to control. And for that reason, they are both awe-inspiring and frightening. And maybe that's why they make you tame. Maybe that's the reason that when they came into contact with those scenarios, our ancestors felt some kind of a need to be purified, to have a ritual that would return them to normal life, that would allow them to re-enter the camp. And one of the things that I noticed as I was reading through the Parsha this year is that almost all of these scenarios of impurity end with a sacrifice being brought on behalf of the impure or formerly impure person. And that sacrifice is the means by which the person is purified and brought back into the camp. It's called an asham, which means a guilt offering. But it's not clear that it meant you were actually guilty of something. There was another sacrifice called a chatat, or sin offering, that was for people who had committed wrongdoing. This seems to be a sacrifice for ending your period of impurity. It doesn't apply, by the way, for women who have finished their period. You didn't have to do this every month. And same thing for people who have sex. Even though you entered a period of so called impurity, you didn't have to bring this ritual offering. But for all the other scenarios we're describing, for giving birth, for being cured of a disease, even for touching a dead body, you would bring this offering so that you and the community and maybe even God knew that you had come through this experience and you were moving back into the realm of normalcy. Now, I find this really interesting in light of a ritual that I've been witnessing lately, which maybe is a modern version of this. And that is people posting selfies of themselves getting their vaccinations from COVID. I'm seeing it all over my social media feed. People smiling with stickers and showing their arms where they got their shots. Now, on the one hand, maybe we're just living in a voyeuristic society where we want to show everybody everything we're doing. But at the same time, maybe this is a ritual of celebration of transition from something frightening, something that puts us into contact with the potential for life and death, back toward normalcy. In fact, some people have even accompanied their selfies, I've seen, with a Hebrew blessing, thanking God for life and sustenance and for bringing us to this moment. They say that the more things change, the more they stay the same. And I think we have a human need to mark moments of transition and maybe especially moments of transition away from a frightening or uncontrollable ordeal. It's something we know from our own lives and particularly as we're living through this time of incredible fear. And this week's portion gives us a sense that this is not new, that our ancestors also understood the need to mark such moments with rituals of gratefulness, of thanksgiving. So certainly we're not all vaccinated, and I hope we're moving in that direction. But as we move slowly through and out of this ordeal, God willing, may we stop and be thankful for the gift of life, the gift of medicine, the gift of health. And may this be the last year that I have something easy to talk about on Tazria. I hope next year it won't be nearly as easy to relate to this portion. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to 7-Minute Torah. If you enjoyed this program, please leave a review or a comment, and please pass it on to a friend. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a great week.